0: Alright, so my name is Tim Barbie. I am the campus pastor at Fairview. And with that, welcome Fairview. I'm glad you guys are here. Can we give Fairview an applause, please? Showing up. Alright. Alright. So, like I said, my name is Tim Barbie. I have been at Temple now. A lot of y'all probably don't know us because we've been out at Fairview now for, what, four and a half, going on five years. So, uh, came here in 2007 and uh, been going ever since. God's been good to us. My wife, Adrienne, and my son, Elliot, are out there. There you go. Hi. Sorry, Fairview. I know you know them. I don't, anyway. All right. So, being a temple since 2007, also a member of Unsheltered International, been working with Brother Travis since, gosh, 2010. I think, yeah, 2010, so before it was even unsheltered was a, a thought in our minds. But been able to do homeless ministry with him for a very long time, and he has actually been a very good friend of mine and a mentor. So really, they have been very generous to our family, very good friends to our family, and I just I can't say enough about them. So, pretty, pretty uh, bigger place than what I'm used to. So, bear with me. We'll get there. All right. So we're going to look at Psalms 107 tonight. Psalms 107. And I'm trying to keep this a little bit shorter. I know you guys hear it all the time. But I don't want to be like the pastor that had a guy get up in the middle of a service. Then he saw him come back at the end of it. And after the service the pastor, I'm like, where did you go? What were you doing? The guy said, I had to go get a haircut. And the pastor asked him, well, how can you get that done before the service? He's like, I didn't need one then. Try not to be like that, okay? <laughs> Alright. So let's look at Psalms 107. And I'm going to read the entire thing. So I'm not going to ask you all to stand. You can if you want. It's going to be completely up to you. But there's 42 verses in it. And it may take a minute. Alright? Alright. So, we're going to pray. And we'll get started. Alright? Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank You for Your blessings on us. Thank You for Your ability to just, Lord, draw us closer to You in whatever we're doing. Lord, just thank You for the country we live in now. Lord, thank You for the ability to be able to do this freely without having to hide and have to go in basements and in and, and villages or anything. Lord, Lord, You have blessed us beyond measure. More than we can ever, ever return back to You. But Lord, we just want to worship You tonight. We want to make big of You tonight, Lord. And just thank You for Your blessings on us. We ask You to just Help my nerves. Kind of keep me calm down, Lord. Just give me what I need tonight. And Lord, close my mouth if I don't need to say it. But Lord, please, open hearts and minds tonight. We just ask You this in a wonderful, holy, powerful Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Alright, Psalms 107. Verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Amen? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. All right. And gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distress. And He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and excuse me, and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He hath broken the gates of brass, and cut the bars of iron and sunder. Fools, because of their transgressions, and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distress." He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works till the children of men. You see a repetition there. And, then, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing that they go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, that see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to, to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Amen. How many of us have been there? Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the ways thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet, so He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of people, and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. He turneth rivers into a wilderness, and the water springs into a dry ground, a fruitful land into bareness, for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water, and dry ground into water springs. And there He maketh the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare a city for habitation. And and sow the fields and plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes, and causeth them to wander in the wilderness, where there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on the high from affliction and maketh him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice and in all and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. All right, this chapter has stuck with me for many, many years. Many years. I came from a rough childhood. I came from a place where, you know, you didn't open the refrigerator door without making sure it was okay first. I came from a place that was not very good. I started doing drugs and alcohol at the age of 10. Growing up, thinking, okay, there's something got to be better than what I've got right now. Got to be somewhere, something. Going through my teenage years, just being a roughneck, you know. But I enlisted into the Army, and I'm thinking, you know, thinking, finally, finally, I can do something. Finally, things are going to change. Yeah, they changed. Not for the better, not for the better at all. So spent a lot of time in the Army, did the complete opposite of what I thought I was going to do, which led me to more drugs, alcohol and eventually homelessness. I lived four and a half years in Jacksonville, Florida, on the streets. I lived in tents, I have lived in cars, I have lived on couches, I have lived anywhere, anywhere you can lay your head, I've done it. But I tell you what, I begged my parents back in 2007. took me about a month, because when you burn a bridge, it's hard to build that joker back. But it took me about a month, I begged my parents for me to, to come back up here. You know, y'all come get me, I'll do my best to give you gas money, whatever i got to do. So they finally said, okay. They came down to guide me, brought me back up here, and I've been attending this church ever since. And I sincerely gave my heart to Christ. June, well, January 16th, 2008. Amen. Amen. Now, a lot of people's like, well, it's a cruise ship from here on, right? Nah, not so much. Not so much. It's more like a battleship. Amen? Yeah. But I tell you what, I've got a great house. God's given me a great family. God's given me a great job. And I can face things every day with Christ that I thought before I had to cover up with drugs. I had to cover up because I couldn't feel anything. I did want to feel anything. Stuff in my head that I couldn't get out because I didn't know how. I didn't know how. Did I want to No, sometimes I didn't even want to know how. But I tell you what, here's where I get to say my say-so. My say so says the devil can't do nothing to me now. The devil cannot, he can come against us, he can't do anything about it but maybe cause a little stir. Maybe cause a little shadow of doubt over here. Maybe cause a little but I tell you what, that's all he can do because our God is greater than anything else that he can do. Amen. All right. So Dr. J Vernon McGee I want to read this part. He says that God's reputation in this world. Now, y'all know Vernon McGee. Dr. McGee has been gone for a long time. He made cassette tapes. And I know millennials are like, what's a cassette tape? I get that. (laughs) I I understand. I'm a little older. Uh, But he made cassette tapes back in the 70s and 80s for people to listen to as time went on. And so here we are. We're still listening to these things. And I think this was done in the mid-80s but I want you to listen to how it applies to our day-to-day, all right? So he says that God's reputation in this world has been challenged, and it seems that there is no one to defend it. There is no champions, no defense, no ally to testify on His behalf. Not a friendly court among the multitudes of this world. There is no one to take the witness stand and say a good word for God today. He goes on to say, that the average person in our country, the average person that has the veneer of a great civilization, it has the modicum or the great powers of education. Right? We are the pillars of education with a little bit of Christian culture smeared on the top of it like a cold cream. And they call themselves Christians. Amen? So to them... God is not a person to cultivate. We keep Him at arm's length. He says He is not really a good neighbor to those outside of here. He is, not, he is very difficult to please for those that are lost. They don't understand it. He is like the average conception of a police officer. He's hiding around the corner to find fault with us. He is not a friend at all. That is the normal thought of God in our country today. And, you know, it surprises me to hear this that long ago when everybody's like, well, back in my day, well, that was our day. And it wasn't any better than what it is now if we really go back and look at it. But I'm going to tell you this. God is good. Amen. Amen. That's not a cliche. A lot of people want to say, well, God is good. You're right. God is good. You know, you even get waitresses and waiters and people Here we are talking about, see, preachers bad influence on people. I'm just saying, talking about food. He talks about food all the time. But waiters and waitresses, you know, they're all the time, well, have a blessed day. I have a really good missionary friend of mine that uh, lives in Tennessee. We were in New Orleans, I think. It was in New Orleans. And he asked the lady, well, what exactly does that mean? And she couldn't answer him. She's like, it's just something nice to say. So when you get people to say, have a blessed day, ask them, because that's going to start a story of why they're going to say that. It's because they're trying to be different, but now you find it everywhere. Amen? All right. Dr. McGee did this message back in the day. But it's not propaganda. It's the truth. It's the truth that God is good. So let's take a look into the psalm. Let's see what it says on the truth of how good our God really is. So in Psalm 107, we'll see that thankfulness to God for His goodness should be constantly on our lips. Constantly. He says that we are supposed to pray all the time, without ceasing, right? Without ceasing. The lips on us who have been saved from the wretched and horrible life that we did have. I don't know about y'all, But I praise God that I am not where I was way back when. Amen? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So like the Jewish people that this psalm was written for, it was written as a song. So you can kind of see the repetition part of it where they had written it down as a song. It was to help them celebrate their return from their exile in Babylon. The writer is anonymous. They're not sure who wrote it. But in this chapter, we're going to see a traveler lost in the desert. We're going to see a prisoner in iron bondage. We're going to be sick men, mariners tossed about in the sea. So that's us see. Verse 1, y'all go back with me. It says, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way, and they found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distress. Brings me to my first point here. Thankful for His works, very thankful for His works. So that the uh, the next portion of that comes out of verse six. Then they cry out unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. So, a He delivers, and thank God He delivers. Because man, I know I wouldn't be here on this earth today if He hadn't. How many remember that day? How many can recall? That's right. Come on. Yeah. How many remember that day when God called you out of the middle of the junk you were in? Yes, sir. For me, it wasn't until I hit rock bottom. Very rock bottom. I was living in the back of an office of a company that I worked for. The owner, it was a very small company. The owner knew my story. He kind of knew what was going on the the running joke at the office was hey tim you can use my my front yard for 5 bucks a night if you want to bring your tent uh, and that's that was the running joke everybody knew that i was an addict nobody cared enough to help me with it nobody but god used that to get me to the point where i could completely look to him stop looking at tim stop looking at all that other stuff that you're doing Completely look at Him and look to Him for deliverance. All right, so I tried to use everything in this world, everything to fill the emptiness inside of me. The emptiness that could never be filled with anything at all until I completely wholeheartedly surrendered to the Lord when I came back up here. He's delivered me from something that was terrible. My question is, are you still in that terrible situation? Has God been knocking on that door of your heart? And have you surrendered to Him? Or are you thinking, not today. I still think i got a handle on this. Probably haven't hit rock bottom. But when you do, there is a way out. There is a way up. There is a way that you can get the relief. You can get everything that you're looking for in drugs, alcohol, whatever else you're trying to find it in. There's a way to get through it. And that's with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? All right. Did you know that people by nature have a short-term memory problem? Very short-term memory problem. It's easy to overlook and forget the things that God's done for us. Right? Like, give us a couple of months. I say it's a 90-day thing. Give you 90 days, you're probably going to forget what happened. You know, what, that God took you out of a horrible situation the back of a car, living in a tent. Three months later, it's like, I got this. I got it. Okay, here we go, Lord. And I know you hear it all the time. You hear it. Everybody says, well, when I get better, I've got it. I don't need you right now, Lord, but I'll keep you as an ATM machine over here. When I need something, I'll go ask you for it, right? I mean, I've done it. I've done it a lot. And it's, it's humbling when you have to come back to Him and say, Lord, I messed up. But you know what the good thing is? He don't care how much you mess up. He's going to be right there. He's going to pick you back up. He's going to dust you off again and say, you know what? I love you. you. As a matter of fact, I love you so much that I'm going to restore you back to where you were. Matter even better than what you were, because that's how much He loves us. Amen? Amen? All right. So throughout the Bible, we see God commanding people to remember. He tells them to create memorials. He establishes festivals. They are to write scriptures on the gates and doorposts of their house. They are to memorize his words. How many of us have fallen down on that? I'm I'm guilty of the same thing. The same thing. Let's look at verse 7. Verse 7 And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. B, he leads. He leads. Christ leads you out of the pit that you were once in when you're saved. Will he make a miraculous change your life right then? He'll change your heart. He might not change your situations right off, but that's the proce- process of sanctification. Sanctification means he's going to work from your heart out. Amen. He's going to work all that stuff that's around you. It's going to make you uncomfortable. If he makes you uncomfortable, you're not going to want to be around it anymore. That's God working on you. So the more we go back to what we knew, the more miserable we're going to be until we get back right to God. Amen? Amen. All right. So, out of the pit, miraculous change of surrounding conditions, but we're not going to want to stay in the same place we were. You want to tell others. How many, when you first got saved, has such a fire to tell others about Christ, that you couldn't even sit down. You couldn't even sit still. You wanted to get out there. You wanted to go after it. You wanted to tell somebody else. This is what Brother Malcolm's been preaching on for the past seven weeks, right? We need to tell somebody. They can tell somebody else. They can tell somebody else. I hear it all the time. People complain about, well, this is what's wrong with our school system. Well, this is what's wrong with the government. What did Brother Malcolm say? It's the silent Christian. How many of us are guilty of that? How many of us? I, I have been guilty of that myself. So, I'm <clears throat> going to go back to the... Moving back to Alabama in 2007, living on the couch, his, uh, <laughs> his goodness, I'm telling you, didn't have to worry about when I went to that office, I lived in a tent in Hannah Park in Mayport, if anybody knows anything about Jacksonville. Hannah Park had a tent... The tent would leak when it rained. And it was near the beach, so it rained every day. Every afternoon, you can count on it. It's going to rain on you. It's, it's going to happen. So when I moved into that shower, or to the shower, when I moved into the office, I didn't have to worry about that. There was air conditioning. There was a shower close by that I didn't have to walk to that was a half a mile down the road like it was in a park where I had to live. He leads us. He leads us. He led me from that couch back up to Alabama. He led me from, from that part of going back to living with my parents for a while to establishing my goings, to bringing me up out of that miry clay and placing me on a rock. He will lead you if you let Him. You have to let Him, though. And I promise you, I'm sure glad He has led me to where I'm at. Amen. See, at verse 9, Look at verse 9. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. He satisfies. See, he satisfies. That's what we all look for. Everybody in this room is looking for the same exact thing. How you feel that or how you think you're going to be satisfied, that's up to you. But you're going to look for it. What do we all look for? We search for that one thing that helps you feel whole, helps you feel complete, to help you feel that, you know, a lot of times that warm and fuzzy, whatever you want to call it, to be a complete person again. We never understand what that's for. Why is there such a pull on our hearts to want something whole? That's where we are supposed to put God. That's where we're supposed to apply all of this book to our lives so that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's where our hope lies. That's where our fulfillment lies. That's where our joy lies. It's not in a bottle, it's not, it's not in anything else. It's just in Christ. In Christ. He satisfies. I get this from John chapter 6. Y'all want to turn to that? John chapter 6. Now, this is the day after Jesus fed the 5,000 with loaves and fishes. His disciples got in a boat. But Jesus wasn't with them. The people were all looking for Him. And it says in verse 24, verse 24 well, let me get over there. Verse 24 says, "When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither was His disciples, they also took shipping, took shipping means they got in a boat too, and they went looking for Him, and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus, seeking for Jesus." Seeking that thing that made them feel whole, they thought. Seeking that thing of miracles, let's go watch, almost like the magic show. He was telling them right after this, that you don't want to seek me out. You want to seek the miracles that I can do. You don't want to see what I can do. You don't want to feel and know the Holy Spirit, but you want to see what I can do. Both basically, he told them, you search for me because of the miracles. Not just for him. I want to move down. Let's go down to verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto Him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to Me shall not hunger, he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that you also have seen me and believe not. That's where he's saying, you've seen me, but you don't believe on me. You believe in the miracles, but not, not him. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will nowise cast out. Alright, amen. No wise cast out. This means people, we have to eat to sustain ourselves. We have to eat to stay alive. We have to physically get nourishment to be able to to live. Christ is talking about something totally different. Christ is talking about Him being the bread of life. Being that thing that that we need so we'll never hunger again. Being that thing we need so we'll never thirst again. The thing is this, we have to eat every day, but Christ is has to be involved in our daily lives for our our spiritual life to be fulfilled. We have to make sure Christ is a part of that. Have to. And I'm asking you now, is He a part of your daily bread? Are we making that conscious effort daily to be filled with the Spirit? Brother Malcolm said it. You won't get any more of the Spirit from the day you're saved through the rest of your life. But... You have to be Spirit-led. Led to make sure that goes and gets applied to the right place. That goes and, and that fulfills the joy in your heart. That fulfills the joy in your soul, in, your, in every fiber of your being. That if you don't get that, then we're missing out. We're going to be spiritually bankrupt. Are we asking Him to be our daily bread? Verse 14, He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and break their bands in sunder. In sunder is one of the favorite words of mine out of the Bible. Because I was lost to sin. I was in chains and in bondage. But God, but God broke all of those down. Broke all of those chains apart. I don't even have to worry about them no more. I don't have to worry about it one bit. So Once you've been in a dark and lonely place, you'll never want to return to it. Christ not only brings us to His light, He made us to reflect that perfect light. We would never be in darkness because of that. Do we ever fall down? Absolutely. Fall down all the time. But Christ is always there to help us up. Like I said before, He'll dust us off. He'll set us back on the path. He'll bring us close to Him. I saw a Facebook post one time that said, if you walk a thousand steps away from Christ, it only takes one to come back to Him. Right? Psalm 23.3 says, He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He will set us right again. He will set us right again. I can't even say that as many times as it needs to be said. But that's part of this. This chapter right here is your say-so. How is your say-so tonight? Do you believe that He will set you back up on your feet? Are you living in a broken life? How is your life this morning? How is it tonight? Are we keeping a short journal with God every day? That short laundry list of asking Him forgiveness for everything from I'm telling you, from the time your feet hit the floor to breakfast. From breakfast to lunch, from lunch to dinner, and from dinner to bedtime. Making sure we're not perfect, we're never going to be. But we sure need to make sure we keep a short laundry list with God to make sure we have nothing in the way for His blessings on us. He'll set us right again. And we have to remember that we're not a slave to sins. We are not a slave to none of that. Sometimes the old man wants to turn around and go back to it. Promise you, you want to go back to it because there's times in your life when you don't know exactly what God wants, but you know what can definitely make you not feel anything at all. What do you choose? There's going to be crossroads, but you choose Christ. Just like you choose to breathe every single day, choose Christ. Doesn't matter what's going on in your life, choose Christ. Doesn't matter how you feel, choose Christ. Every morning when you get up, choose Christ. Just like you have to choose to breathe, choose Christ. Alright? He'll set us right. Look at verses 17 and 18. 17 says, Fools, because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities are afflicted, their soul abhoreth all manner of meat and they draw near into the gates of death. Now, Fools, I think everybody can understand what it's talking about. It's not calling anybody a name. It's just talking about somebody that's making a bad choice. That's knowing better, but you're still doing it anyway. Right? The Webster 1828 dictionary says it's one who is destitute of reason or the common powers of reason and one who does not exercise his reason. And a boreth, that word kind of caught me. A boreth. What do you think about stress? What do you think about anxiety? What's that going to do to you? What do you think about depression? It's going to make you do one of two things. It's going to make you not hungry, which is exactly what abort means. It's going to make you not want to eat. Or it's going to make you want to eat a whole lot. One of the two, it's going to happen. Most likely, you're going to not want to eat. You're not going to want any kind of food because your life is in so much turmoil that... You don't know what else to do. You're so worried about it. We're we're doing this number every time we turn around because do we have enough faith in Christ? Or is it even before you know Christ and you're still trying to do stuff on your own? Just ask yourself, is that me? Am I turning to something else for stress, anxiety, depression, whatever? Or am I turning to Christ and learning more about how He can help me fix that? This says to me that we do not use our minds like God intended them for them to be used. We simply go along to get along. We forget what Christ has done for us. Like I said, that 90-day period, and it brings us to the brink of death. To the brink of, yes, we're saved, but we can still have a lot between us and God that's really going to hurt us. So are you thankful? Are you going along just to get along? You don't want to rock the boat You don't want to make waves. You want to make everybody happy. Because at the end of it, do you think your goodness is outweighing your bad? So maybe you're going to get a little, little better. You're going to get into heaven that way. Or have you given your heart wholeheartedly to Christ? Where do you stand today? Every Christian should be able to say without a shadow of a doubt, I stand on the truth. I stand on this rock. The ones that builders have rejected I stand on this and knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'll go to heaven at the end of this road. Amen. So, <clears throat> excuse me, take another look at this verse. All right, verse 20. I guess I should probably give you the second uh, second point right there. All right, thankful for His Word is what that is. So in verse 20, while you're writing that down, let me go from 14 to 20, okay? He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bonds and sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and He saveth them out of their distresses. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Point two is He sent His Word and He healed them and He delivered them from them, their destructions. So even though we've done things, we've said things, we've thought things, we probably made a fool of ourselves a couple of times in front of people that are hard to deal with. But He loves us enough to deliver us from that. He loves us enough to heal us back to Him. I'm not saying like a physical heal. I'm talking about a spiritual heal. To heal us back to His graces. Back to Him. Let's look at John 1, verses 1 and 2. John 1, verses 1 and 2. John 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. If y'all notice this, He sent His Word. Look at that in verse 20. What is that saying right there? He sent His Word. His Word was God. His Word was with God. He sent Christ. He sent Christ to die on a cross for our salvation. He sent Christ to give His life so that we could live and live with Him forever in eternity without any question, without any doubt, without any problems. We can live with Him. And if we rest in that, I promise you, life won't be easier, but it'll be easier to handle. I promise you. All right, A, for verse 29 it says he calms. He calms. I'm going to start back at verse 21. Oh that men would pray praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men, and let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing, that they go down to the sea and ships that do business in great waters. For He commendeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melting because of trouble. If y'all ever seen like Wicked Tuna, any kind of Bering Sea, anything, the ocean is doing this number. You're looking up, then you're looking at nothing but ocean. And then you're looking up, then you're looking at nothing but ocean. We had a chance to go on Alaska cruise a few years ago. And uh it was probably the biggest boat that would ever do anything like Wicked Tuna because we were going up and then we were going down. Poor Adrienne, she was sick for seven days straight. Seven days straight. No matter what we did, she was throwing up. She was anyway. It was bad. So this kind of resonates a little bit. But I tell you what, he calms. He's the one that can just say peace, be still. So they reel to and fro, they stagger like drunken men and are at their wits end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distress. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let me ask you, verse 30 right there says, Then they are glad they be quiet. So He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Desired haven. I don't know about y'all, but I needed a desired haven when I was in the middle of my distresses. In the middle of my junk, I needed somewhere to go. I needed something to happen. I needed somebody to help me because I sure wasn't doing it by myself. I had made a mess of everything that I have ever touched. Everything that I have ever even messed with was nothing but a junk pile. By the time I came back here, I had enough to barely fill a little bitty trailer. I had been around the world and back, y'all. Around the world and back. Many, many years in the army. Around the world with all kinds of stuff. But that's what God had to get out of my way before I would come to Him. He'd get all that stuff that He couldn't use, all that junk, all that chiseling away stuff that He just wasn't going to deal with. Had to all get out of the way. And it was for me to be on my knees is where I had to be. And He's going to make a lot of us that way. He still does that from time to time because I'll get boastful about something. I'll get prideful about something. And boy, He'll come in and really put me in my place. And He'll do it every time. So I have to make sure everything stays up here. Right, Adrian? She'll tell you now, if I'm not, I'll get in trouble every time. Every time. So I was a broken. I was ashamed and really thought there was no hope for me but God. But God, God calmed my seas. He let this battered and torn ship finally settle into a port where I could drop my anchor and relax just for a minute and know that no matter what happened in my life, God's got it. No matter what happens, He's going to help me through it. As long as I put my trust in Him, well, He's going to turn right around and bless that. Alright? So God calmed my seas. He let me know that I'm loved. And y'all, I want to tell you this. You're worth it. Every single person in this room, every single person at Fairview, you're worth it. Worth every bit of it. Don't let the devil tell you you're nothing. Don't let the devil win by you thinking nobody would care if I just dropped off the earth today. Don't let the devil win that. Because it's a lie straight from the master of all lies. God loved you enough to send His only begotten Son. Right? If you believe in Him, you're not going to perish. But you will have everlasting life with Him. Amen? So thank God for quieting the tormented storm of my life. The next one. Let's go to verse 33. He turneth rivers into wilderness, and the water springs into a dry ground. Christ will dry up the life that you're drowning in. Drowning in sin? Think you're drowning in bills? You're drowning at your work? Ain't nothing changing? He dries the soul. He'll help you. Psalm 23, 2. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He will do that if you allow Him to. This is the hardest thing that Tim had to learn, is I have to let him. Because I, again, having control of my own life, I made a mess of it. And he had to take me way down low to understand that that's not the way to do it. That's not where we need to be. Not one bit. Not one bit. So can you say the same thing? Has Christ done that for you? Has Christ brought you out of that drowning pit, the drowning seas, you know? Yes, sir. Thank you Jesus. Amen. All right. He turneth rivers into wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness. For the wicked of them that dwell therein, He turneth the wilderness into standing water and dry ground into water springs, and there He maketh the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare a city for habitation and sow the fields, and plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffer not their cattle to increase. See, He blesses. Verses 36, 37, and 38 again. And there He make the hungry to dwell. Are you hungry after Christ? Are you thirsting after His Word? That's where you need to dwell. Stay hungry after Him. Stay hungry. Sow the fields and plant vineyards. Sowing the fields. What have we been talking about here for almost two months now? Telling your story. Sow the fields. Tell your story. Tell God's story. God's way too good to us for us to sit back and let somebody else do it. Amen? Way too good to us for that. God showers His people with blessings and sets His face against those who rebel against Him. He will bless those that are doing His work. Verse 32 says, Let them exalt Him in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. Congregation, are you exalting Him today? Tonight? Whatever it may be. Are you exalting Him? Are you praising Him? Or, I know, this preacher is making you fall asleep. I get that. And that's okay. But I'm telling you, where are you at with God Are you exalting him in the things that need to be exalted? Or is it about me? Is it about I got dinner waiting? Is it about fill in the blank? I mean, y'all know as well as I do, if we don't put him first, we will be last. We will be. So the fear of being embarrassed. I've noticed it's something that I've had to overcome doing my stories. And again, homeless people don't scare me. I am one. Homeless people I don't have a problem with. I can go to the streets with Travis, man, week, all day long, no problem. Coming to a church, man, I'm like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Y'all scare me. I'm just saying. (laughs) But all that aside, but God. He's the one, if we exalt Him, He will help bless us and through those blessings we bless other people because God uses people to bless people amen? amen all right i know it sounds like i'm rambling but i am going somewhere we're about to land it soon so do we remember that we let the lord down any time he tells us to do something and we don't do it do we remember that that's my goodness sometimes god's like take the time and go talk to this person you're like oh, god i got to go i got to I've got, no. Take five minutes out of your day. Talk to the person holding up a sign. Talk to the person that's standing at the checkout at Walmart. Especially the greeters that are there. Those are retirees. Those people are there because most of the time they need somebody to talk to. Talk to them. You'll probably learn something. I promise. And if you're a Walmart greeter, I didn't mean nothing by it. I'm sorry, I didn't even think about that till just right now. So, I do not mean any, any, any offense. All right. Here we go. Sorry, Malcolm. <clears throat> so, this is what Brother Malcolm has been preaching on for almost two months now. We have to tell our story. I told you a very short story of mine in the beginning. didn't take long. Very short, very to the point, very Done. And I promise you, if you have to read it off the back of the page, read it. It's okay. It's better if you memorize it, but read it. Get out there. Get to turning Coleman County upside down. We have to. All of us that sit back and say, well, something needs to happen. We need to make it happen. Through Christ, it can happen. As long as we are willing to do that thing that He's asking us to do. He's been way too good to, to us for us to just say, eh, maybe next time. And I'm talking to me as much as I'm talking to y'all, because I do the same thing at times, and, I, and in three days I'm just beating myself up. Doesn't matter if I've talked to 100 people or one, still beating myself up over the one that I didn't. All right, 36. Let's go back to verse 36. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell, that they may prosper. prepare a city for habitation... And sow the fields and plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes, and causeth them to wander in the wilderness, where there is no way. Yet setteth the poor on high from affliction and maketh them families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Number three, I'm thankful for His way. His way He does stuff, that's the only way to do it. It's the only way. The righteous shall see it and rejoice and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Those of us who have experienced great trials will experience great praise. I promise you that. I promise you there are days where I can't contain myself. First time me and my wife, where she came to church with me. We were dating. She wasn't saved. She thought I was a, just a nutcase because I couldn't do nothing but cry. And she was like, what in the world is wrong with this joker? What is, I mean, okay, i got a sissy on my hands. I don't know what to do with that. I can't help it, y'all. I still, to this day, I can't help it. I get so full that it just comes out my eyes. I don't know. I don't know. But preacher talked about this. If you'll remember, he talked about this, that 43 says, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Wise, back to the Webster 1828 Dictionary, properly having knowledge, hence the power of discerning and judging correctly. Let me ask this. We're about to wind it down. Are you wise? Are you discerning correctly? Are you judging things correctly according to the Bible? Or are you doing it according to the world? How Are your children looking when they go outside? How is your attitude in the middle of Coleman when nobody's looking? Or so you think. I'm bad at that. I am. Knee-jerk reaction gets me every time. Every time. I have to keep working on it. And I'm asking y'all, check up. Where do you stand with it? Where are you with that? Are you wise in observing what Christ has commanded us to do? So, what does that look like? How's loving your neighbor? What's that looking like? How's respecting your children so that they are respecting you in return? Think about it. How's your attitude when you're out of the church house in a front of complete strangers on a Sunday afternoon when we're having to wait 45 minutes to get into a restaurant? Just saying. I have seen many people get a little sideways that we just came out of the church with. But anyway... As Christians, we all have the ability to do every single one of those things I just mentioned. As a matter of fact, every Christian is commanded to do so by Christ. Commanded. He didn't ask us. He told us. This is what you do. You better make it right. So, we go back to verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How's your say so today? I'm just going to wind it up right here. How's your say so? Is your say-so of like, "Ah, so, Lord, I just messed up again. Or is it so, Lord, thank you, because the devil can't do nothing with me. The devil can't do anything to mess with me. The devil cannot touch me with anything that he has against me because Jesus has my life in His hands. Is that your say-so today? Is that your say-so when you leave here? If that's your say-so, tell somebody. Outside of these walls, go tell somebody. Make it your say-so. Tell them out there what God has done for you. That simple. And I just piggybacking a little bit off of what Malcolm's been preaching on, but I'm telling you, if you've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy, now is the time to make it your say-so. Now is the time to make sure you say that the Lord has been so good to me that I can't not do it. That means I can't do anything but that. Say so to the enemy. And I mean a say so that's so powerful that the devil has to flee. Say so. Where's your say so? Be confident in what you're doing. Be confident in the power of Christ. Be confident. Know that you know, that you know without a shadow of a doubt, Christ has your back. And no matter what you're doing. No matter what. So make sure... Well, you mess up. Make sure you get it right. That short laundry list, like I was talking about. Yeah. Say so. Say, Lord, I messed up. Forgive me. Yeah. Help me. Restore me. And let's go after it again. Yeah. It Don't, okay, I'm going to give you an AA analogy. All right? Yeah. This is your windshield. I think Malcolm even said it before, too. But this is your rearview mirror. Yeah. This yeah. is your future. This is your past. You check up every now and again to see where you come from. But don't get stuck in that rearview mirror because you're going to hit a tree. You look at the future, what God has set out for you, what God has, he got something wonderful planned for every single one of us. If we believe it enough to accept it, believe it enough to take it, believe it enough to follow him through whatever he wants us to go through. Because I promise you, this homeless man did not expect to be where I'm at today because I thought I was nothing. I thought I was junk. I thought I was trash. But God, God says you're worth it. You are able. You are worth it every bit. And He says it for every one of y'all. So it's not me. So let's not stay quiet, y'all. Take your story. Turn the county upside down. Fairview, y'all too. Turn it upside down. Get your stories in. We can all help each other get it done. Every one of us. It's not a single person. It is an us We are the army of the Lord. Do we understand we are enlisted? When you gave your life to Christ, you enlisted into this army. Until God takes you home, you will be in this army. Now it's up to you to be an AWOL soldier. It's up to you to be an officer. Whatever you want to be, that's on you. But Christ is waiting. He's waiting for you to say, come on. Let's do this. Let's make it happen. Don't forget that. So let's have a say-so. If the Lord has been good to you, you've got to say so. You've got to say so. Don't stay quiet. Take your story. Turn the county upside down. And if you don't have a story like that tonight, I'm going to ask you, come see me afterwards. Come see me later. Because I would love to make sure you got one too. I would love to.